0: it is really difficult to solve a problem when you don't know what's wrong to begin with. When I was a young man, and if I'm honest, even now, if something happens to my car and I pull over to the side of the road, it won't start or whatever, like any other person, I pop the hood, I take a good look and I'm not a car guy. So I close the hood and then I call for help. Um, a lot of us kind of go through our lives like that. We, we know we have the symptom of a problem and we've been trying to solve us for a long time. You and I in different ways, but in many ways, you and I have tried to solve us for a long time. Other people try to solve us. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why don't you just stop it? Uh, some of us have paid good money to have other people solve us and we've tried so hard to work on these external things, and uh, even though our our spouses, our friends, our family members have tried and tried and tried to solve us, we still find ourselves in a place where we are doing things that we don't wanna do, and we're not doing things that we do want to do. And uh, I wanna invite you just to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter five, and for the next couple of weeks, I want to introduce you to some thinking, or reintroduce you to some thinking about this dynamic, this uh, this letter uh, dictated by the Apostle Paul, one of the first reader, uh, one of the first leaders in the church can be incredibly difficult to understand because most scholars agree that he was dictating this and it wasn't recorded like on a digital recorder and someone's with there with a quill and a pen and trying to follow him and he'll, he'll take these, um, these rabbit trails and, and uh, a lot of times it's hard to follow his whole argument, but this is packed with some truths about reality that I believe will help you and I that can get us unstuck. So this week, I want us to, to focus on what he says the problem with us is. And then for the, uh, the weeks following this, we'll talk about the solution that Paul writes about in the letter of Romans. So it's in Romans chapter five. And uh, we'll start in verse 15. Follow along with me. He says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Now, there's a lot of do's in there and to do's in there. He's saying like, I do the stuff I know I shouldn't do, and then there's stuff I know I should do, and I don't do it anyway. And when he's talking about this law here, talking about like any law not just the the old testament and the the torah but he's like just conscious this is a truth about humanity and it really bugs him and when i when i read this i think oh my goodness like here's somebody this is a verse in the bible that i totally resonate with that struggle of oh my heart means so well and i consistently fall short and also There's times where just something overcomes me and I feel like, well, something. Let me be a little bit more specific. I call it the cookie monster, (laughs) about 10 o'clock at night. I know I want to be healthy for my children. I want to run and play. I want want my kids to do it in the right way and and go in the right order. I wanna be a grandpa someday, but the kind that's like wrestling with his grandkids and putting lots of sugar in them and sending them back home with my kids. But there it is, that package of gluten-free Oreo cookies. They're called JoJo's in my house. And I know I should be living a life of moderation, but sometimes it's just the, the force runs strong in my family. I look at those, and 10 minutes later, I'm like, where did the box of cookies go? Like, uh, but it happens to us in other ways, too. Like, uh, That the, the, can be destructive. It can be an addiction. It could be an affair. It could be lying, cheating, stealing. There is this truth about humans, for Jesus followers, and for for people who aren't following Jesus too, that we find ourselves in this dilemma of doing things we don't want to, that we know we shouldn't do, and not doing the things that we know we ought to do. And just to know, uh, this guy Paul, if you're not familiar with him, we need to take him seriously. You may not agree with his solutions if you're, if you're not a Bible person, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus yet, but I encourage you to be open to his solutions. I take Paul very seriously because uh, he hung out with the people who were with Jesus, like he was with Peter and James, the brother of Jesus. I mean, imagine what it would take for your siblings to believe that you were actually God incarnate. That would be very difficult. Like Paul met with these people, he hung out with them, and he had a real experience with Jesus. And, and he understands this problem and has some very good ideas about the solution for us as we go forward. So I take Paul very seriously, and he he continues in, in verse 18. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. You know, I was, when I read these verses, I was thinking about I'm a dog guy, not against cats. But I remember even as a, a six-year-old teaching my golden retriever how to shake hands. Like I, I taught my dog how not to chew up my toys and chew up the house. And, and my dog responded that. How? Why? Why is it that we can train our dogs to do something? But no matter how hard we try in some areas of our life, we can't train ourselves. You know, we keep losing our temper. Uh, we uh, we say, why can't I quit lying to my husband? Why can't I quit lying to my wife? Why can't I stop eating this stuff or drinking too much? Why can't I stop being unfaithful? Or uh, why don't why can't we say why can't I stop looking at the things I know I shouldn't be looking at? And usually. Uh, A normal human response for a lot of us is uh, this like inner critic voice that comes up and yells at us, Don't you do it, stop it, stop it, stop it, especially after we've engaged in these behaviors. I can't believe you did that again. Oh, you are so dirty. You should be so ashamed. I can't believe that. You need to stop it. I mean, imagine like. Well, just think, how is that working for us? It doesn't work very well. And imagine if churches functioned like that. Imagine if I came on here every single week and said, okay, those of you doing all these these naughty things that I just listed, stop it. Please bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus, help us to stop it. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. We love you. I'm going to pray for you. No, like it's more complicated than that. If if just saying and yelling at ourselves, stop it, worked, we would have had a lot of this licked a long time ago. And Paul is talking about this dynamic in Romans 5, verse 6. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That word jumped off the page at me, and maybe it jumped off at you. You may say, well, Mike... I'm a good person. Yeah, I mess up sometimes, but man, that's a little harsh calling me ungodly. But um so here's here's how Paul's using the word. Like in in Christianity, God is perfect. And if you look at most of the world's religions, God is perfect. And and we're not God. We are imperfect or unperfect. Like imperfect equals ungodly. So right now, wherever you're at, I just want you to find somebody and I hope some of you are at a coffee shop right now and just find someone, um, get their attention and say, you are ungodly. It's pretty awesome, right? Yeah, we're all ungodly. We try to be perfect and we fall short over and over again. It's because uh, we're, we're we're not God. We are going to mess up. Uh, Continuing on, uh, in verse seven, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now remember, this is being written probably about 20 to 25 years after Jesus was on the earth, so when I see this, I think, oh my goodness, like Jesus died for me while I was still a sinner. That's awesome. Totally true. But when Paul is talking to these people, like this is a reality for them. This is a reality for Paul thinking, you know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, I was 40, 50 miles away with my friends, sending my brains out like, and, and learning things that would actually domino effect into me, persecuting the followers of Jesus that that reality had to take so much to sink in that even when Paul was doing that stuff Jesus still died for him even in that same moment these these Roman Christians most of them were uh, of a Jewish background even while Jesus was hanging on the cross and they were 20 years younger Jesus still died for them even though they were ungodly sinners so we're, we're sinners, and I know that's harsh language. It's not popular to use this day, and I'm, I'm saying it over and over again. You're ungodly. I'm ungodly. I'm a sinner. Um, it's, it's true, but how in the world did we get this way? Like, what happened? Because there's a part of us that wants to do what's right. There's a part of us that wants to be a good person. But Paul is saying, like, there's a problem here. We're ungodly sinners, and there's good news that Jesus died for us even while we were still sinners. But he, he continues, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Now this uh, this language here is a little clunky to me and I've had to read it over and over again. I've heard it before, but there's a lot of stuff in here that, that sin entered this world. I've got this little, uh, illustration here, sin. <laughs> there to go. It, it entered the world through one person, and Paul, uh, as a as a Jewish background believer, uh, knows the creation story of Adam and Eve, and and he's saying Adam's rebellion in the garden when everything was perfect. He chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that act of rebellion broke creation at the fundamental level and broke the, for those of you computer nerds out there, the source code, even in our DNA, there was something twisted and broken. And that set off a a domino effect that every other human that was born is born from Adam and born into this world of sin. Mike, that's not fair. Yes, it's not fair. Nothing since creation has been fair. So whenever, whenever you've experienced something that's not fair, whether it's you know, when you were in school getting called out and you get in trouble even though you didn't do anything, that's a result of sin. Maybe it's something that's, that's hurt you. If you've had a miscarriage or uh, lost your job or, or gotten sick out of nowhere, got that diagnosis, and there's something within you that cries out, this isn't fair, that's right, that is right. And um, that, that's a, a, a deep knowing inside of you that something about this creation is broken and that God wants to fix it, like that's a good impulse. And it's all of those things are the result of sin coming into the world uh, through Adam. And the way Paul's using it uh, here in these, in these verses that I've just read is, is a noun. I usually think of sin as a verb and come up with a lot of verbs for sins and the act of sinning, but Paul wants us to understand this, and this is so important for you and me to understand in 2021 that this is a noun, and it's a power, and it's, it's a, this pervasive presence, this noun all over the world when you, when you read about anything, almost anything in the headlines, Pain, destruction, violence, the lack of integrity and leadership all over the world. It's the result of sin. And people that have come into the world carrying this thing, it's like it almost, from Adam, it spread like a virus. And this is a very helpful thing for us to think about and try to wrap our minds around today. Because uh, this thing uh, is is is. The, the, the source, the talk about solving a problem, you know, and so many times we say, I, I need to stop looking at that. I need to stop this habit without ever addressing the root cause of all of those things. And that root cause is sin. I've got a visual for you and I'd like for you to, to stick with me here. So, this picture represents Adam, and all of these folks are going to represent these little smiley balls here represent different humans and just to help us wrap our minds around this you know we all came from adam so uh think of whatever hero whatever hero of the faith he's billy graham absolutely he was born into into sin you know um to make it personal my kids i love my kids they're amazing totally born into sin Um, my wife marie I'm just going to leave her right here for a second. I need to eat dinner tonight. But whoever you think about, me, for sure, born into sin. Mother Teresa, pick whoever you want. Born into sin. And that's where it just continues to domino and domino and domino out. But I want to continue here with Paul's thought in uh, in verse 16 here. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespasses of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So, when it comes to our struggle and our problems, what Paul's getting at here is that that, that it's actually worse than we thought. Like There's something inside of us that we are born with, that is broken at the fundamental level. So it's almost worse than we thought, but it's also better than we thought. Because in a mirror way, you know, sin entered the world into the universe through Adam. And then Jesus came as God incarnate, lived a perfect life. So that it's what the Christians, we Christians call the good news and died as a substitution for us. And when we surrender our lives, we are taken, our, our source code is taken out of Adam and put in Jesus. If you read through, especially Paul's letters, there's a lot of language like this that's incredibly helpful to us. That we are no longer in sin, but we are in Christ. And maybe you've seen it uh, at football games, people run through a banner. You know, I can do all things through Christ. That's another big one through Christ not talking about football there, but that we're in that when God looks at us, He doesn't see our, our habits, the outer, the exterior flaws. We've got all kinds of flaws. Because of what Jesus has done, He made a way for us to be in Christ and receive right standing. And that um, as we surrender more and more of our lives, and, and to Jesus and spend time with Jesus. Yeah, we become like Him. But when God looks at us, He doesn't see us and what we've done. God sees Jesus. We are in Christ now, and I love in this in verse 17. It talks about reigning in life. For a lot of us that grew up in church, when we when we hear this language of uh, of salvation and righteousness and um, not being condemned anymore. We think, this is awesome. I get to go to heaven when I die. Absolutely true. But Paul's not talking about that here. He's talking about now. He's talking about our day-to-day boots-on-the-ground struggle with the people that that get on our nerves, with the people that rub us the wrong way, with with our frustration, with that tension of, the sin is in this world and unfair things happen to me. Like, He's talking about how to reign in this life, how to stop doing those things we don't want to do. And sometimes it feels like there's a a power that comes over us and we can't even control it. The problem is sin. And now when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we're taken out of that sinful world. And now we're in this realm. We are in Jesus Christ. The source code has changed. And, and this, the scent, I love you know uh, the, that image of um, two dogs fighting. You've got a good dog inside of you and a bad dog fighting you. And you just need to feed the good dog so the bad dog will get weaker. But actually, when we give our lives to Jesus, the bad dog is killed and buried. It has no power over us whatsoever. And we can. If we don't know what the problem is and we're trying to to just go with the surface level, we can go and dig that bad dog back up and wear it around. And just picture that ridiculous image. Why would we do that? Because we don't understand the reality that we are taken out of sin, that that power has no, no say over us unless we agree with it, unless we go back to our old ways. And when we stay in Jesus... And we, we, uh, we surrender all of our thinking, all of our thoughts, everything we look at, everything we do and say, that's surrendered to Jesus, um, sin has no power over us in life. In verse 18, he says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man were made sinners, so also the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. Just to go back there again, just listen to this. Like through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners. That was before you and I ever did anything. In the same way what Jesus did, his obedience made us righteous before we ever did anything. It's an act of surrendering to it. So trust me, we're going to get to the solutions in the next coming weeks, but I want us to wrap our brains around this. The problem isn't the individual sins. The problem is this power of sin and realizing that it doesn't have to have a hold on us anymore. That's the correct starting point what Paul's getting at here, if I were to put it into my own language, he's saying like, all right, if your approach to Jesus is, all right, I wanna follow you and thanks for what you did for me, but I got it from here. Well, you're setting yourself up for trouble. It's continually staying connected to Jesus, continually keeping our hearts pointed towards Jesus. Like I said before, it's so difficult to solve a problem when you don't know what the cause is. And as we've read today, the Apostle Paul says it's a deeper problem than, than behavior, the problem is sin. And um, there's, uh, there's a reason why Paul tells the Romans like, don't you already know this? And maybe, maybe those, uh, there's some of us today that just need that gentle nudge and that gentle reminder that sin has no power over us because of what Jesus did. You know, I, I think of, I think of uh, the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy. You know, she was going through all these crazy adventures and, and overcoming all these obstacles. She had those ruby red slippers on the whole time. It was like right under her nose. Uh, if you're a nerd like me, You think of Lord of the Rings, and as Frodo's carrying this ring and learns more about the power, like there's this thing right underneath the surface. No matter what you're struggling with today, what guilt, shame, uh, whatever hurtful habits, uh, behaviors, unwanted behaviors, um, this is the starting place today, is realizing that, hey, we were born into this, but when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we're taken out of that, and sin doesn't have to be our master anymore, and we are placed in Christ Jesus, and we, we use this word a lot at Solid Ground. The act of discipleship, or becoming an apprentice to Jesus, is spending time with Jesus, and letting Jesus work on those behaviors, And, and but Jesus changes us from the inside out, not the outside in, so, one piece of homework this week. I want you to find somebody, preferably somebody that you don't know, and I want you to look them in the eye and just tell them you're ungodly. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. But this week, I, I just want you to, 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 to wrap your mind around this and, and to remind yourself over and over again this week that sin has no power over me. If you've given your heart to Jesus, say, Sin. I am in Christ. And keep reminding yourself of that over and over this week. And as an act of of just remembering this, we're going to take communion here. And uh, I'll give you a second, just in case you haven't already prepared something, uh, some elements. um, Hopefully you have some better than mine. Mine is a wafer that tastes like cardboard. If you have some really good bread, go ahead and grab this and take your time doing this. And um, this is... Something that's so deep, it can be deep and rich and important to our Christian faith. And I love that we're doing it together, even though we're not in the same room. Because uh, for us here at Solid Ground, there isn't anything like special about these elements. It's not, They're symbols of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ that was shed for us. But when we take it together, Christ is present in you, in me. And, uh, and we're reminded that we don't have to do this alone. And the trick, it, the, the, the solution isn't trying harder, but it's remembering to point our hearts towards Jesus and to be with Jesus and, and surrender to his changing work that happens in our hearts. So hopefully you've got your elements by now. I wanna read to you um, the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for breaking the power of sin in this world and that your kingdom is invading this earth. We remember your sacrifice. We thank you so much for your broken body. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Dear Heavenly Father, our only hope for this life and the next is you. And God, as as we take these elements together, uh, we remember that your blood covers all of our sins, that you have defeated the powers of death and hell and the grave, and we proclaim your death. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we conclude our time this week, I just want you to join your heart uh, to this prayer and uh, help us help to sink in. Dear Heavenly Father, we confess that we can't live the Christian life without you. God, will you please continually direct and open our eyes to the real source of the problem. We surrender our hearts to you once again and ask that you would open up, open up your eyes to the work that you're doing in in our lives and around us. So we surrender to you once again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're so glad that you spent a few moments out of your week with us. Uh, We love you very much and we want to to walk through life with you. So uh, we say it every week and we mean it. If there's anything we can pray for you for, journey with you, questions we can answer, please reach out to us at sgbic.com and, uh, and we'll see you throughout the week. We're online, so don't hesitate. Reach out to us. So now for a blessing before we dismiss. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.